Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Radio Podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. There have been a few little news nuggets over the past week or so. Gallo was seriously injured, then he wasn't, then he was again. Donovan Mitchell has been traded to an Eastern Conference foe, and suddenly there's a lot of Carmelo Anthony to the Celtics talk as well. Joining us as he often does, Wayne Spoony. Spoons, how you doing, sir? Doing all right, Ben. Uh, as you folks down <laughs> in opposite land may not know, it was Labor Day weekend this past weekend, which is the unofficial official end of summer. So I'm lamenting that and very yes. excited for football to start this week. Yeah, absolutely. And a great way to, to see out the uh, the summer season there as well. Uh, right. And of course, Jake Eisenberg, <laughs> uh, back for another one, mate. Jake, how's things? Yeah, good, good. Nursing an unexpected uh, hangover after a Tuesday gathering uh, last <laughs> night after work, but um, I'm feeling good. Nice, nice. Well, look, a uh, quick note to the listeners out there. We were obviously on this amazing uh, trivia run of, of trivia shows. We've had three rounds so far. We're all poised to do the grand final of the trivia show. <laughs> Turns out I made Joe is on holidays, on vacation in the United States and uh, unable to at risk of, I guess, putting himself in bad stead with the new wife there, Joe, to take time out of their holiday to participate in what I personally find to be more important than any any sort of vacation or holiday. So the, the grand final of the trivia show, unfortunately, uh, is on hold. Um, but let's move to the news of the day, uh, of the week, rather. And we'll start with this tweet from Shams. Like I said, a bit of a roller coaster there, an emotional mm. roller coaster with uh, Danilo Gallinari. Excuse me. Uh, we thought initially it was just a torn meniscus. Although initially, initially, based on the the footage, it was clearly a torn ACL. Now the news, unfortunately, again, is that it's an ACL tear for Gallinari, the same that he tore in uh, 2013. And like, while fans have universally celebrated the the Brogdon acquisition, some, maybe some, including Wayne Spoony, have shrugged off the Gallo signing. So Spoons, like, how how bummed are you by this news, and how impactful do you think overall it's going to be to the Celtics and the season and depth and Al Horford's load management, etc.? So I first of all, I don't want to come off like a callous bastard where I'm like, ah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> I mean, this very well could be the end of Gallinari's career, which would suck. I've always been a big fan of his game. I've always kind of really appreciated him, when, especially when it was on Denver. Um, and you know, he just seems like a very cool dude. He seemed really excited to join the Celtics. So it sucks. I think from a basketball standpoint, yeah, I think I was higher, uh, or lower rather on the Gallinari signing than a lot of the fan base and a lot of the analysts. I think that you can find, look, we were expecting what, 15, 20 minutes out of Gallo in the regular season. You can find that. So maybe we win two less games because Sam Hauser plays, or uh, maybe we've got a couple of uh, TPEs, we've got the DPE. I mean, I think we'll go into it a little more in depth, but we do have some options. He is tradable on December 15th, too, Ooh. so you could actually move his contract uh, and not increase the tax bill when you make an acquisition as well. So I'm not super. I think that maybe this lowers our over under by a couple wins, but I don't think it affects our ceiling. 
especially in the playoffs, because personally, I just didn't think he was going to play much of a role in the playoffs. Yeah, sure. I mean, Z Gamer in the chat says Gallo is supposed to be our, our meme man, which like we were already memeing hard. True on uh, on Gallo. In fact, I've got a, a clip here before we get to Jake. <laughs> Jake, is this a crying in the shower alone situation for you? Like, where are you at uh, compared to, to Spoonie's take on the on the Gallo situation? I was so excited to sing that song all year. <laughs> right. Like, after every single three in my living room, Danilo Gallinari. And to have that taken away is pretty upsetting. Uh, but I definitely think it's more of a potential vibes impact than like an overall uh, basketball impact. I think I had, like, I've got my, my minutes tab on my Celtics Google sheet open and I had 15 minutes assigned to Gallo. Um, and I think that's pretty easily fillable a few different ways. Like I know we're going to get into people we could sign, but just for people that are on the roster, like I only had Grant at 20 minutes, you bump that up to 25 plus, um, And maybe you just change a little bit of the way that the lineups work. I think there was, you know, email was probably excited to kind of do de facto double bigs and things of that nature with Gallo. But you've got such an, an incredible backcourt rotation with Brogdon, Jalen, Marcus, and Derek, and I think you just lean on lean on those guys. Like I only had Derek on like twenty twenty two minutes. Like that's how deep they are on the backcourts. So you you bump Derek up five minutes, you bump Grant up five minutes. I mean, Pritchard was had zero in my roster, and like mm-hmm. he's he's legitimately good NBA player, and maybe he gets five minutes. Um, I do think maybe it's important to figure out that third big more so than it was before the injury. So that Jelly, Cornet, Vonley, Kabokolo competition is really, really important now. Bunch <laughs> but, of Hall of Famers. If I could just add to Jake's point, like Grant Williams is just straight up a better player than Danilo Gallinari right yeah. now. I mean, so Preach. moving... 10 minutes from Gallo to Grant is probably a good thing. I mean, it's not ideal because it puts more miles on Grant. But again, it's just like from a game to game performance standpoint, I'm not super worried because we have guys like Grant and Pritchard's going to play a different role, but he can soak up some of those minutes too. Yeah, I think for me, the concern is not so much like we're we're suddenly missing Gallo's production. It's just kind of like what Jake was touching on, just someone to inhabit those minutes on the court. And when we consider our best bigs, Al Horford, Robert Williams, Al Horford is old, um, to put it bluntly. Robert Williams is injury prone, also to put it bluntly. And we needed someone to sort of just like assume 20 minutes or so a game. And and I think we're, we're missing that. So I, I do hope that the DPE comes into play here and we do acquire someone Mello or whoever else, and we'll get to Mello shortly. Um, that can just put us in a position to give those guys the rest that they need to be um, ready, really, in the postseason. And like, can that guy be Sam Hauser? I hope so, because like, if, it, if it, we talk about dimensions on this podcast, often, in fact, it's really it's just me that talks about dimensions, but like similar <laughs> yes, dimensions, correct? Right? <laughs> Between Sam Hauser and Danilo Gallinari, obviously different career trajectories, different. Almost everything else, but if you think about what each of those players can give you, there is an alignment there. There is a similarity, at least theoretically, in, in Sam Hauser's case. So, uh, on one hand, a bit of spicy mellow action could be fun from the fan perspective, but also <laughs> some very spicy Sam Hauser action. Just throw him in there, see what he's got. I, I think that could be nice. But ultimately, um, I think spacing is, is a, um, one of the benefits of bringing in a guy like Danilo Gallinari is that We've got a little bit more spacing uh, when it comes to the Jays driving and kicking or having that room to drive and finish because the defense has to be kept honest with a guy like Gallinari, you know, hiding in the corner there. Now we lose someone who can tr- contribute in that sense. And I think that's um, that's prob- problematic. We do have a Reddit comment here to get to from Nick Lovin, <laughs> 508. The Italian Stallion didn't even get to be the king of the North End. For a single yeah. day, uh, pay the North End, of course, being Italian food uh, central up there. Um, so, Jake, is that it? Like, are we just never going to see Gallo in a Celtics jersey? He <sighs> did grow up a Celtics fan. It's it's kind of sad. It is super sad. Um, yeah, Spoonie got dark there, saying this could be the end of Gallo's NBA career, and fair. But <laughs> Gallo wasn't really moving before the ACL that anyway, right? So, like, 
he's still going to be 6'10". It's a, one of the better shooters in the NBA. So I'm hopeful that um, he'll still have that after returning from, from the ACL. But it's definitely possible. He's 34. Knees are pretty important when you're playing basketball. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of who were like the late career ACL guys. I can't, none of them kind of popping to my head. And I'm thinking I'm more of the Achilles are popping to mind right now. Um, but the ACL is an injury that sports world seems to have figured out more or less over the past like five plus years. So hopefully that's something, I mean, that would be sad. He was, he was so stoked. Um, and man, I know Ben, before we hopped on is like having visions of this leading to, to more, and I mean, like the picture of Gallo holding the jersey and Brogdon holding the jersey. The last time we had an off season like that was the Kyrie Hayward thing, and oh, um, we lost God. one of them. At least, at least Hayward got. At least How'd Hayward that work got. Out? At least Hayward got five minutes in. Jeez. Uh, yeah, tough. Yeah, pretty brutal. Uh, Spoonie, any other takes on the Gallo situation before we move on to like how we might replace his production? No, I, I. I just think the problem why I'm so low on Gallinari coming back and even being a contributor next year is he had already lost a step. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we were talking about playing him at the five. He was a three when he came into the league. And we're talking about playing him playing the five because we know he can't stay in front of everybody, anybody. Then you add another year of age and a severe ACL injury on top of that, man. It just like, I hope I'm dead ass wrong. I hope Gallinari's splashing threes in my eyeball this time next year uh, or 13 months from now. I'm just, I'm not super optimistic. I think it's more likely that he's out of the league really um, than it is he's back uh, a valuable piece for a playoff contender, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. It, it is so unfortunate. Like uh, just you know, we've obviously played the, the Gallinari song already. <laughs> um but yeah, what you brought up there, Spoonie, about Gallo being a potential trade piece now, given I think he has a player option next year, which of course he's going to opt into. Um if we can move him on and get another TPE, suddenly we've got a bunch of TPEs again. We've got the DPE. Uh, I tweeted at Keith Smith. <laughs> Earlier this morning, asking, do we have to pay the tax on the DPE? So if we acquire someone with this DPE, we're still paying Gallo's salary. Then we acquire someone with this $3.2 million DPE, theoretically, and we have that also contributes to our tax bill as well. So uh, I guess that could be considered as an incentive for for trading away uh, Gallo. So I guess transitioning slightly to DPE targets, we have to start with the obvious one here. Uh, it's yeah. in the news. I think it was Gary Washburn from the Globe who. <laughs> what a picture! I know, right? <laughs> Let's get this guy on our squad. All right, I'm in. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. What a bowler! <laughs> what a literal bowler. Um, Carmelo good. Anthony quote starting to gain traction says Insider. Very vague. Um, typically vague, I suppose, for off-season uh, trade news, particularly around the Celtics. We always talk about Brad Stevens operating in the shadows. Spoony is mellow. Are you in or out on Mellow? The, the title of this episode is Mellow In or Mellow Out. Are you mellowing in or are you mellowing out on this one? <laughs> uh, I think I'm mellowing out. Uh, and here's why, at least right now. And here's why. I think we talked about some of the potential options. Like, I would rather we just figure what the hell out, out we have with Sam Hauser and seek if he can kind of do that Gallo role as opposed to limit our options even more by bringing in uh, Carmelo, because you never know what's going to shake loose before the trade deadline, who might be available at the trade deadline. And if you're adding another 3.2 million, or even Melo's got a huge minimum contract to the extent a minimum contract can be huge. That just, you know, is 4X on the tax bill by bringing him in. So I think I wouldn't be against bringing in Melo. I think we just should be patient and look, man, the dude is going to be able to come in, make shots, and have people blow by him on defense if he starts now or if he comes in in February. So uh, I would just say, for now, I'm out. I'm mellowing out. Uh, and I want to see what Sam Hauser has. I want to see what Grant Williams can do in a 30-plus minute role. And you know, let's wait and see what is available, maybe on the trade market, maybe with one of these TPEs, maybe with Gallo's contract. What a world we live in where it's like, oh, I'm out on Mello. Fuck that guy. I want to see what Sam Hauser's I got. And that's like, that's a legitimate take. Uh, Jake, are you mellowing in or are you mellowing out? Oh, man. 
Spoonie's a good influence on me, I think, because <laughs> my first reaction is always just to be like, yes, I can see it now. Um, but I think that's a pretty good point on we can bring Mellow in or, a ver- or whoever the Mellow replacement is, if, if another team picks him up, like there'll be a version of him around um, in six months. And the higher ceiling move is to see what the young guys can do. Like we know what we're getting from Mellow. And I think, I think you can fit that Gallo role relatively seamlessly. Um, I wonder if, like, if they prioritize that position by bringing in Gallo, that it's more likely that they do try and bring in someone like Melo just because they had already decided that. Depends on how queasy Wick gets at that action. And, yeah, switch, which is hard to say. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm mellowing in and mellowing out. Like, I'm, I, I like the idea of it, but maybe maybe it's smarter to to wait and see what we've got. Like, if Hauser comes in and, like, he, he, he definitely has a higher defensive ceiling than Melo, I think. Not not saying that he's going to be a great defender. I feel like we don't know the answer to that one still, even because we the limited stuff we saw from him in Summer League. I just don't feel like we've seen how bad or good he is on defense, whereas we know Melo is, again, a traffic cone to our... Our man Z Gamer in the chat here. Yeah, he can be a traffic cone at any point as well coming in. So let's see if maybe um, Hauser can be like an, an AI traffic cone at least. Like, <laughs> a little more of a little more movement to him. <laughs> and, it's got and like what, a light on top of it yeah, at least something. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Workmen around. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Mello as a locker room cancer as a Z Gamer in the comments and, and shout out to everyone in the comments here throwing in their, their thoughts and suggestions. Mello as a locker room cancer, like is there a risk that he's too jaded by his career thus far? And we talk about like who do we want good influences around, right? We want people to have a positive influence on Jason Tatum. And there have been some Jason Tatum, Carmelo Anthony comps in the past. Like do we want do we want to join those two things together or do we want to separate them and, and maybe increase the chances of Jason Tatum to like take his own career trajectory and not be influenced by Melo who you know is a great player will probably make the Hall of Fame but like he is unlikely to win a championship unless maybe of course he joins the Celtics dude if this was five <laughs> years ago I would be really worried about Melo remember o- o- remember that year yeah. he was on Oklahoma City and yeah. he was washed and AP. he was just gunning <laughs> to that, like, I would be totally out on that <laughs> yeah. Melo but yeah. I feel like the last couple years he's really like realized I just need to make open shots and then sort of try on defense what's up my guy Tom good to see you man up, thank you for stopping in um so I'm not super concerned about that and I think Z gamers right that like I do kind of I I get that he's cheap enough that you can just cut him, but his like two and a half million dollar salary is going to cost us like eleven million dollars. <laughs> yeah. So it's really not that cheap if you think about it. So um, I'm not too concerned about the him being a locker room cancer though. Yeah, I mean he did he did play a lot of minutes though. Even though he accepted his role, he played 26 minutes a game last <laughs> yeah. year. To 20, which is says more about how terrible the Lakers roster was more um, than Gallo I'm pretty sure yeah, yeah 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 pretty much exactly the same yeah a little bit more and then 24 the year before that so like even though he is accepting his role he's still been used to playing 20 plus minutes a night which he wouldn't be getting on this team um that being said I do strongly believe in Idoka's ability to just call him a bitch and he'll fall into line <laughs> right otherwise we, we Idoka will just fight him yeah like <laughs> Udoka will fight you if you don't just get along. And so um, I, I believe in Udoka's ability to create good vibes by force if he needs to. Yeah, good vibes by force. That that might be the secondary uh, episode title for, for this one. <laughs> A couple of Reddit comments here. So uh, from, uh, this is too small on my screen. I want to say Flandashes. They say, honestly, yeah. why not at this point if he accepts his role, uh, his skill set will be nice. And a follow-up comment by Hooray Pizza Day. They say, he's been accepting a bench role for like four years now. I don't really uh, see why that's even a question. And then secondary, obviously a lot of opinions on this flying around the internet, particularly on Reddit. Uh, Aspizzi says, Gallo isn't a great defender, but he's huge and can move for his size. Melo is one of the worst defenders ever at this point. He won't be able to stay on the floor. Um, And then a sensible follow-up here by the OP on this thread that they have very similar defensive ratings Melo's is actually better at 114.0, not great, while Gallinari sits at 116.5. 
uh, most recently. So um, there you go. The superior defender, Carmelo Anthony, yeah, the, went compared to Kalinari. I love how there. Yeah, I love how there are people that had kind of contorted themselves into Gallo's defense because he's big. Yeah. Like, Atlanta had one of the worst defenses in the league for the whole time that he was there, and that he was a big part of why. Like, they're, 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 you're not losing anything by trading his defense for Melo's defense. I don't think. Um, yeah. If, so if I can, uh, real please. quick, if I could take this in a way that you guys aren't prepared for yet, <laughs> I've grabbed four names that I would try to go after instead okay. of Carmelo uh, Anthony. You read my mind. With, y- y- all right, great. Either with Gallo's contract oh, or God. a TPE or some combination of the two. If I can just throw these names at you, fellas, and see how you feel. Sound good? Yeah. Is that all right, Ben? Can right. I take over here for a minute? Please, go ahead. I don't know what all I'm right. doing. <laughs> <laughs> First name, not a sexy one. This is the cheapest you can get that money can buy. He makes like just over a million. He's on a terrible team who has no use for a 31-year-old wing. Rodney Magruder. Yeah, like mm. we could take him right into a TPE. We could even move one of these, like, Luke Cornette makes more money than he does, so we could technically send Cornette out and bring him in and actually save money, although we might need Cornette as a third big, but I just think, you know, he's a wing that can play 10 minutes a night and you're going to be fine. Where do you guys sit on Rodney Magruder? Currently Googling Rodney Magruder. Uh, I was going to say, like, <laughs> great kind of shoot. He's okay at shooting. He's okay at defense. He's not really good at anything. It depends on what we want, I guess, from that slot. I guess, depending on how you viewed Geller, was he like wing minutes for the Jays or was he uh, big, big minutes? Like, I was kind of thinking more power forward style, but I, where did Magruder even play last year? Did he even play? Was he on Clippers. The- Clippers, okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch a lot of the Clippers last year, but um, he didn't play a lot of minutes, right? Uh, he played two, he started two, he played 21 minutes, 51 games. All right. I missed the Magruder experience last year, um, and the Clippers were solid. Yeah, yeah. He's fine. Um, That's all you need at this point. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, should, we, should we trade? Should we trade, um, trade names? Yes, please. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, please. Yeah, I got, I, a, I I got a few as well. Yeah. Okay. That's so my second pick in the... Um, <laughs> Draft here. <laughs> Snake uh, draft. Yeah. Uh, I would love to be able to trade for Trey Lyles. I'm not sure why the Kings would give him up. He's making like 2.6 or something like that. Um, they, I think they extended him a year though, so I'm not sure why they would trade him. But like he's 6'9 and can kind of shoot and, and do stuff. He kind of moves like Gallo, kind of slow and herky-jerky as well. Um, I've always kind of thought Trey Lyles is good, but... I, I that's not a name I've thought of, but I actually like that. And he was a, I think he was a pretty high pick. So he's got kind of mm-hmm. high pick pedigree. Mm-hmm. He's shown flashes of being able to shoot. If I can, if yeah. I recall, um, but he's never really put it all together, but yeah, dude, th- why do the Kings do anything? You know, yeah. and, <laughs> and we traded Josh Richardson when we extended him preseason. So yeah. I don't think that's some death knell. Sometimes you do that to have more trade value for guys because the team trading for them knows they're locked in at a cheap number the next year. So um, I like that one a lot. Yeah, that's a good one. Great pick. All ben, right. All right. You, Off to, are you going back to go ahead, Ben, Ben, please, please go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm on, uh, I'm on basketball reference duty here. So please keep throwing the names out. <laughs> right, bring them up. Okay, so we're a young team. My next three are all <laughs> young guys that I think could absorb minutes but also have some upside left in them. This guy makes $1 million a year. He's on Houston. The only problem, he's young, they're young, but they have a ton of draft picks coming up. They have a ton of guys at his position. Kmart Jr. Ooh. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a big-ish wing. He's like a 6'8 yeah. power forward. He can shoot it a little bit. He's an absurd athlete. <laughs> Not results. a p- Kenyon Martin. <laughs> Thank you. K-E-N-Y-O-N. Yeah, Kenyon. Not yeah, Kevin. Showing my uh, knowledge here. Yeah, I um I like him. Yeah. I mean I and I, I like having someone that can do kind of what Rob does on offense a little bit. Having like yeah. he he he's insane uh vertical lob guy. Um I know Rocket's Twitter really love him. So I like I when I see any like off season clips and stuff, like Rocket fans are um high on what he could become, which is a classic how you f- feel about 
super athletic young wings. You're like, if they develop this, 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 and this, he's going to be incredible. The Jeff Green uh, hypotenuse, uh, which is a workaholic reference. I know what the difference between a hypotenuse and a hypothesis is for people that don't know me. Um, but yeah, so I, 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 like Ken, I like Kenyon Martin Jr. for sure, if we can get him. Hell it's a yeah. spicy pick. I mean, the projections are uh, they 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 load out nicely. I mean, obviously that's projecting his current situation on you know in the upcoming season. But um, young talent, you know, putting behind mm. the the veteran leadership of uh, elder statesmen like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown uh, could, could work out well. <laughs> yeah, clear clear room for Shingun to get more minutes. You know, I, I can see that for the Rockets. Shangun is the the pillar of my fantasy team, so I'm 100% behind that move. <laughs> well, and they've got uh, Garuba, too, who's also a power forward who didn't really play last year, but they used a high pick on him. So, I mean, who knows, man? I, I don't know. I, I tend to agree. Z Gamer says, like, I don't know why Houston would trade him because he's young. I probably agree yeah. with that. But, you know, if we're trying to hunt for bargain bins here, uh, instead of Carmelo Anthony... You know, you got to start thinking outside the box a little bit. Who else we got? What other names are you thinking? I have I have someone that I would have loved to be on the Celtics the last couple of years. Um, kind of a homer pick for my country here. Daniel but Jock Pice. Landale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> jo- jock, jockey boy. Yeah, bring Just, him home. It's Jock o'clock. Let's go. <laughs> Look at that Aussie face. <laughs> That's an Aussie Very face if I've seen one yeah. before. He's... He's he's he, he kind of do a little bit of everything. He's a smart player, can pass. He's a little got a little, little bit of defensive versatility. Can shoot it a little bit. Um, I think Udoka would really like him um, as a guy that's got high basketball IQ, can fit in, good cutter, boomer, boomers, boomers breed like smart, do everything players. And so uh, that would be that would be. I knew I knew you wouldn't pick him, so I saved him. Is there, is a twig us. on the on the Popovich coaching tree as well, similar to Trey Lyles, also has some Popovich experience. <laughs> I'm the understated. Hope, he's what we hope Luke Cornett becomes, yeah. right? Like, yes. kind of like doesn't suck at anything and big, yeah, yeah. yeah. and just a real fan of bloke. Yeah, I like, I, there's been a little Luke Cornett slander from Spoonie today, and I don't know if I'm going to stand for it. Like, I, I'm a, I like it's Cornett. Fine. <laughs> fine. All right, we got right. any more names, fellas? I got, I've got two more. Uh, right. I don't, Jake, I'm not sure. Uh, okay. This, I, I do you one. want me to just throw both of them out there, or Jake, do you have one more? I got one more as well. Okay, perfect. Uh, all right. 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six wing, kind of a do-it-all type. <laughs> one time, one season, he shot 42% from three, and then he shot 30% this year. So I choose to believe he can shoot. He's on the last year of his rookie deal. He's 25, so he's on Oklahoma City, so he does not fit the timeline because he's not a literal teenager. Ty Jerome, played in Virginia, Ooh. smart player, not not a great defensive player, but again, just another like biggish wing with some point guard skills that can shoot it a little bit that ca- won't kill you in 10, 15 minutes. I really don't think he's in their plans. He makes $4.2 million, so if you he fits in a TPE, or he could include that Mello contract or uh, the Danilo contract and uh, save some money. So, uh, dude, so <laughs> I, I swear he's never missed a three against the Celtics. Like, I, I swear right. every time we play yeah. him, he's cooking from deep, too. So, the Greg yeah. Monroe effect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to believe he can shoot. I'm not sure he can, but I think he's cheap enough and would be a cheap enough trade. Uh, trade piece to at least see why not let's try it you know is he a bigger risk than Mello? i'm not sure Mello's like 40 mm-hmm. yeah he really is like 38 years old yeah, yeah. he's one of the few me. nba players who is older than us yes which correct. i think is a is, is a tick in the pros box like someone we can look up to <laughs> as older fans get Mello on the team he's still getting it it's it's inspirational for our it um, rec league <laughs> careers um, Jake, my- any other names? I, I do have one name for you before we yes, move on. Yes, go Ben. Uh, well, it's uh, all right. Let me just type it in here um, so we can see the stats. I believe this is still an active uh, player <laughs> in the world. Jordan Crawford. <laughs> I heard he once was player of the week. Former Eastern <laughs> Conference player of the week. Uh, Celtics legend and uh, figurehead of our trivia series, which you should check out on our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Um, <laughs> Couple of DNP seasons there, but you know what? Okay, he played in, oh, no. in other leagues. Um, 
most recently dominated in uh, New Orleans. And I think as far as <laughs> okay, we're looking, we're looking for end of the bench sort of caliber player, uh, a, a vibesman, if you will, a professional vibesman. Mm. I think we can go for a guy like Jordan Crawford uh, just to round out the the good vibes. I think he'd pair nicely with Grant Williams. Maybe they'd play mm. some Settlers of Catan together on the plane. <laughs> Uh, maybe add some um, <laughs> civility to to the games played on the on the plane ride there. Um, Jordan Crawford is my uh, very very unofficial and satirical choice. Any thoughts? He shot fifty seven percent from three last time he was in the NBA. Science guy, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Someone clip this and send it to Brad Stevens. <laughs> yeah. All right, enough for me. JQ, who else you got? Uh, one week. I think kind of came up when we were doing the the big man signings beforehand, but I I still don't hate the idea of Lamarcus Aldridge. I know Spoonie likes guys that can actually play defense, um, but I think a guy that at least we know can do one thing well. Um, so you come in, play ten minutes, knock down like three mid range buckets. Um, a vibesman, I think he kind of fits into that category. Um, he's got the Portland connect with Udoka, um, another twig. Maybe not a twig, a branch from the Popovich um, tree. <laughs> Spent enough time there. A fallen but, yeah. piece of rotten fruit, I think, from the tree, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, look, we're hungry, man. <laughs> we're yeah, we'll totally anything. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not above ground fruit at this point. Here, here's what I like about Aldridge maybe more than anyone we've talked about is he can play center. Mm. I don't really think any of these other guys can play center, and that's nice in a pinch, and you have... You know, he can just be tall around the rim and have some positive defensive impact. Yeah. Whereas somebody like Melo, they're going to be asked to guard wings and they're just going to get blown by. So, um, yeah, so I, I I see where you're coming from, Z Gamer. I, yeah, I tend totally. to agree. But I, I think in the regular season, he can play 15 minutes against Detroit and we're going to be fine. Like, if we're expecting whoever is replacing Gallinari to be a contributor in the playoffs, then we're already screwed because Jason Tatum is hurt. Yeah. You know, so uh, I actually really I like Aldridge. That's a good okay, one. Cool. Yes. Uh, all right. My last one. We don't have to spend much time on because it's <laughs> totally unrealistic. And we've already I think we've done two pods on him already. Uh, yes. <laughs> Cornette can be tall and around the rim, too. So yes, that's why like Jake Cornette. likes him so much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's super <laughs> um, tall. He fits exactly into the Schroeder TPE and makes almost the exact same amount of money as Danilo Gallinari. He's on. He's a. He's a pending free agent on Charlotte. Who knows where they're going? Up, down, left, right. That's PJ Washington. Yes, I think he's an replacement. I throw the picks at him. Two picks, three picks, swaps, whatever. (laughs) Take it, but just take Gallinari's contract off our hands, and then we can extend him. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Washington. Uh, I just think he's a really good player, and I know that's totally unrealistic. So we can move on if you yeah. want. Yeah. No. I mean, like, great. Yeah. Please. Yeah. yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. Now we do have a large body of work on PJ Washington uh, as a potential Celtic. So feel free to go back through our feed, flick through the the feed there to uh, hi football twelve. Um, <laughs> that would be wild. For joining us. That would be amazing. Like, that would be amazing. That would be so- now. Yes. This we- is not going to happen. We should move on because there are some other seismic activities happening in the Eastern Conference. The Cavaliers sent Jazz forward Larry Markkinen, rookie wing Ochai Agbaji, guard Colin Sexton, three unprotected first-round picks, 25, 27, 29, and two pick swaps, 2026 and 2028. Wow, it's a mouthful. For Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. And then Colin Sexton agreed to a four-year, $72 million sign-and-trade deal to join the Jazz according to Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul. All that to say, Donovan Mitchell is now in the Eastern Conference. He's now a Cleveland Cavalier. Spoonie, where do you see the Cavs now as far as like ranking in Eastern Conference threats? And is this should this be something that's keeping Celtics fans awake at night? Are, are they a threat? Okay. So <laughs> I've got to sound off a little bit here on this conversation <laughs> yes. we've had about, okay, I love Mitchell. He's, I drafted him in my fantasy league and my keeper league as a rookie. My last pick, he's been on my team ever since. He's a great player. I hate his fit next to Garland, but you think Mobley and Allen can maybe cover for those guys. But I see people listing the Cavs roster like it's loaded eight, yeah. 10 deep. Like, why are we pretending Isaac Okoro is a good player? 
Why are we pretending Kevin Love is a good player? Why are we? Karis LeVert, I'm sorry. He sucks. He is not a winning basketball player. <laughs> he is like a worse version of DeRozan where he's not efficient enough, but the only thing you can do with him is give him the ball and get bad mid-range jump shots off. Like, he's just not good. I would not want him if I was trying to build a winning team. And Ricky Rubio is coming off a massive injury, and he's in his mid-30s too. And he was already all the efficiency he sort of once had already was gone and now it's like i i is rubio ever gonna take a layup like i doubt he's gonna be able to get to the rim (laughs) and that's how he really becomes a playmaker when he can actually draw help because he used to be quick and was slippery he's just not that guy anymore so like rubio is not a particularly positive player to me either and his defense is slipped and i my bet is it will slip even more with this injury so they've got four really fucking awesome players and then I am not impressed at all with the Cavs, what they've got behind those guys. So the Cavs are going to be much better this year than they were last year. I think that's mostly because Jared Allen, you think, will be healthy, and they sucked when he got hurt. Um, so I think they've moved up. I think they're in that like Hawks sort of like four or five, maybe win a playoff round type of team. I do not think they've catapulted themselves into like the Milwaukee, Philly. <laughs> us tier um and mitchell like until donovan mitchell shows he was just not fucking caring in utah and can actually still play defense like i'm not super worried about the Cavs. like you should be able to get dribble penetration drag in their bigs and you know get that drive and kick game going which is what all modern offenses feed off of so well i think they're better i no, I do not think they're like some super team the way I feel like people have been talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> Jake? Dude, I, I, I'm, yeah, this is good because I feel like the total sentiment has been like 98% incredibly positive for the Cavs. And one piece of it as well that, I mean, I think we're maybe I'm a little scarred from the Kyrie experience, but, you know, we, we only gave up it, the pick that turned out to be Colin Sexton, Crowder, and Zizic. They gave up half of their depth, a lot of the depth that I actually really liked, like Lowry's a good player, Baji was, people were really high on him becoming like a rotation player. Yep. And now, and and this is like five to, well, how, 2029 was the last pick, like Donovan Mitchell has an extra year than Kyrie did on his deal, but there's a very real possibility that Donovan Mitchell just leaves in free agency, like even if he's not asking out or anything like that. And, and then by that time, Mobley will be like 24. And I feel like we've gone through this with Tatum. Like we've kind of wished that we had 26 year old Tatum for the last three playoff runs. And like, they're going to be in the playoffs and people are going to be like, oh, Mobley is doing this stuff at age 21, 22, similar to Anthony Edwards trade actually, in the sense that like, we've got this budding superstar. Yeah. Budding. It's coming down the line in like five years. Like that's going to be the time when you're going to have a real shot at doing anything truly great in the playoffs is when Mobley's into that 24 minimum age group. Yeah. The Donovan Mitchell defense thing, like I don't care who you've got back there and Jared Allen and, and Mobley, Rudy Gobert is one of the best room protection room protectors the NBA has yep. ever seen. Exactly. And when he got to the playoffs, it just didn't matter because they were getting torched. And then you've got two guys out there. You're like, Oh, don't worry. They've got a Coro. A Coro can't play offense. You like, you need, he's, he's like Thibel. And it's like, you, it's worse. You, you, he's, worse <laughs> yeah. he's worse than Thibault. Yeah. It's like you can't play guys that are that are negatives on on one end or the other. And I think Zach Lowe's stat of Okoro took more wide open threes than any other player in the NBA last season. It's because no one he shot thirty six percent on threes, but on the most wide open shots in the NBA. Like you can't have that in the playoffs. It's just gonna make it them too easy to defend. Yeah, absolutely. And and firstly, like shout out to user John Tao. We, we showed this comment on the screen earlier, but for those listening to the audio podcast, John Tao basically lists the lineup for the Cavs. So Garland, Mitchell, Okoro, Mobley, Allen, Love, Lavert, Rubio off the bench. Damn, not bad. I feel like we've debunked that <laughs> comment with what we've discussed so far. Um, Spoonie, you mentioned Donovan Mitchell has been part of your fantasy team. You know, because in in the fantasy world, Donovan Mitchell is productive in all of the relevant categories because they don't factor in being a defensive turnstile. Like, you don't get penalized for being a turnstile 
in <laughs> fantasy. Um, and we can say the same for Garland as well. So I'm really just repeating what you guys have said at this point. But for their two backcourt, quote-unquote, defenders to be that turnstile against a team like the Celtics who have their own incredible defense but have big bodies who can attack those guys on the other end, I don't see them as a threat to the Celtics really at all. And yes, they could get hot in a regular season game. You know, that they could beat us once, twice, three times in the regular season during a playoff series where we can appropriately scheme against a team like the Cavs with two shithouse defenders like Garland and like Donovan Mitchell, I don't see them as a threat at all. So while this is fun, you know, we love to see big names traded, you know, across conferences and across different teams. I don't, I don't rank them in sort of the the threat count for the Celtics uh, going into next season. Yeah, Jake, you made a you. Sorry, real quick, you made yeah. a great point, and something I've been thinking about a lot recently is like, what is these? What what are these teams doing with these know. young stars, short circuiting their rebuilds? Mm-hmm. Like, I agree. Yeah, Minnesota just did the same thing, and the Knicks have like gone Tried. from being a fun, interesting young team to like step by step undermining that at every step they can. Like, they traded the eleventh pick in the draft to get off Kemba Walker and included Alec Burks. Like, dude, just eat Kemba's contract for yeah. another year. Is <laughs> is Jalen Brunson really the, the difference for you guys? Like, just let Barrett and quickly and this Grimes kid everybody loves. And, like, they signed Hartenstein, who I really like and is a good young center. Like, just let these dudes blossom together. Yeah. But instead, they're like, oh, no, Barrett, you're never touching the ball again because you're playing with Julius Randle and you're playing with Jalen Brunson. Uh, and it's just like, just let these guys grow, man. You just saw two homegrown teams play each other in yep. the finals. And it's like, these teams can't help themselves. But in the case of the Cavs, don't you think that they need to make those moves for superstars when they when they present themselves? Because they're, just, they're not really getting them any other way unless it's a miraculous draft pick with LeBron James. Like, they have to make those they, moves, right? Mobley is that guy. Sure. Straight up, period. I think, Jake, you were hitting on it. Like, in four years... Mobley will be a superstar, but Donovan Mitchell might be gone by then. We like you don't know. That's a massive risk, and now you have no draft picks. Yeah, dude. I I just yeah. It, like you know, Danny Ainge. Um, we we probably he probably wished he would have traded one or two of those picks that turned into um, Neesmith and Romeo. But um, the fact that he was able to kind of okay. hold off on. <laughs> it's okay. He's right. <laughs> I'm at the acceptance stage. <laughs> I'm so, I, I, I keep forgetting <laughs> um, to be a little gent- gentler when, do, when mentioning Neesmith. Okay. But, <laughs> but like, you know, he didn't pull the trigger on the Jimmy Butler and the Paul George trades, which I think have turned out to be the correct decisions. Um, patience is, is okay. And like the Warriors are the, the quintessential, like they're, they're the gold standard, obviously, but like, it patience, man. Like you don't have to go all in when you're when you're 21, 22 years old with these superstars. Like it's never been done. Like never has a, a 25 year old or younger outside of like D Wade, um, kind of in two thousand six with, with <laughs> the end of prime Shaq. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, but it, I I do get the the point of like that you got to take a shot when the when the shot presents itself. But, like, the shot presents itself, like, multiple times per year now. Like, whether it's Brunson, obviously not the same level as as, um, as Donovan Mitchell, but, like, every year there's one or two stars that seem to be getting moved if you're willing to pay the the five-pick price. So, maybe just a little early, in my opinion. So, the the resounding consensus seems to be you know, whatever between those teams, a little bit confusing as to why you would make those moves and deviate from your, you know, current path. But from the Celtics perspective, we're not concerned. Am I right in saying that? Correct. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Dude, yeah. Market, yeah. Those guys are going to just tear those dudes apart kind of on both ends, I think. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we should move on to some other news. Just barely scraped into the run sheet for today's pod. Uh, Montrez Harrell, as I was told by Spoonie to pronounce. Uh, the Sixers, uh, the headline is here, uh, put a bow on successful offseason by reportedly signing Montrez Harrell to serve as a backup center. Uh, um, obviously overcame the, the, the charge of um, possessing a, a large quantity of otherwise legal substances. 
We won't go into that. Uh, but now he's a sixer. He's not a very good defender. He is like a hustle guy. He is a culture guy. He's a former six man of the year. Jake, do you see, again, looking at it through the lens of what affects the Celtics, do you see this signing as threatening to the Celtics' uh, title hopes? Yeah, I think I saw Z Gamers talk about how we're underrating the Sixers um, additions. I, I love the Sixers in the... I should never use those two words in the same uh, consecutive because I don't love the Sixers. I, I hate the Sixers, actually. But the regular season, I, one of their... Their over-under of 50 and a half is one of my favorite bets on the board. I think from a regular season point of view, they're going to be really good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's in the playoffs where I have, I have concerns about what the Sixers are able to do. But um, James Harden in, in good shape. Melton, great fit. Tucker, great fit. Um, assuming he's able to um, keep father time at bay. And then Trez, I mean, Maury can't help himself, similar to Brad in the sense of giving back. Um, players that James Harden's played with because he played for the Rockets as well, right? And yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Trez is a great pick and roll partner. Like you, sure, you saw what Trez and Lou Will did with the Clippers and they were like borderline unstoppable. Um, I'll never forget that, um, that Warriors-Clippers series um, where Kevin Durant had like 48 to put them away. But Trez and, and Lou Will were kind of tearing the Warriors apart a little bit. And Harden is one of the best pick and roll players of our generation and giving him someone that can give – and beat a rest and buoy those those second unit um, lineups. I think is a really big deal and it's going to help them in the in the regular season. Um, but then when it comes to the playoffs, um, I think it's actually maybe a good thing that for the Celtics because Doc famously refused to bench Montrez Harrell in the playoffs when they were going down against the Nuggets, mm-hmm. and Zubac was clearly the better fit for that series and he just couldn't help himself but to play him more. So giving Doc another player that he can't help himself but play in the playoffs, <laughs> I think he's actually a good thing. <laughs> no. Spoons, what do you think? Yeah, uh, generally, I'm really high on the Sixers offseason. I love what they did. Um, I love Melton. I think he's a great player. I think Maxi is going to be really primed for another leap, and I think he's going to be flirting with an all-star appearance this year, which terrifies me because, uh, you know, Embiid's a beast, and I, I think... I get what the Sixers are thinking because I think ultimately you've got to look at Embiid as a bit of a ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. And I think that explains the Tucker contract. Like Embiid's, I think, 28 now, man. Yep. And he's had so many injuries and he's just so massive and he takes such a, a, a toll on his body every season that I think they're just going for it. Like, consider me skeptical of James Harden uh, straight yes. up. But. Yep. Uh, I'm with Jake that I think they're going to be an awesome regular season team, thanks in part to this Trez signing. I I actually think maybe I'm a little higher on them in the playoffs than other people, uh, just because I think Embiid is a force of nature, man. Like if he's going in a playoff series, he can he can have his way with a front court. Um, and I think Max is going to be really good, and that a lot of it hinges on Harden, which again I'm very skeptical of, but. Uh, you know, they're, I think they're going to be really, really good this year. And I think they may have the best record in the conference, frankly, because I don't think Milwaukee's going to give a shit. And I think we're going to be very, uh, we're going to load manage quite a bit ourselves. So I, I would bet them. I love that bet. I might yeah. put that bet in yeah. after this <laughs> podcast. Is over I think they could lead the East yeah, yeah. in wins this year. Yeah. And we're so close to establishing a new sponsor from a betting company that I won't name yet, where we could we could make a segment out of uh, making those bets live on that website. So more to come there. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't think the Celtics are going to, you know, um, put so much effort into the regular season based on how they flamed out during the, the postseason there. So that makes sense. Are you guys emotionally ready for another playoff series against the Sixers? Because for me, the Sixers, it takes the most out of me in terms of the um, the, the good vibes yes. slash I'm going to hurt myself ratio. <laughs> uh, uh, play, playing the Sixers to me is, is the most risky form of that. Uh, and we had a great, I think the last playoff series against them was in the bubble Correct me if I'm wrong. Where we yes, swept them, swept him. Sans yeah. Ben Simmons, who you know, whatever, he's not going to make a difference anyway because he's shit house. Um, are, are you guys ready for that again, or what do you think, Jake? Yeah, I'm ready to fucking go to war against these guys <laughs> yes. again. And like, and so I mean, look. On one hand, you've got PJ Tucker, and everybody's saying how amazing that signing is. But I, you know, I, I'm hearing way more of like, man, what if what if Al Horford 
by the time, I hope it's younger than PJ Tucker and dudes that are six foot 10 are better at aging than guys that are like six foot seven. And so I think, and Horford's been the Embiid stopper for his whole career that Embiid's been in the league now. And I still think that he has that ability. He's not as good as defending Embiid as he was, partly because Embiid's gotten better and better. But I think we're equipped to defend Embiid as well as anyone else in the league, in part because our team is so good at team defense. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the Twitter war between the, the Sixers and the Celtics is just going to be... It's going to be full on. I hate them um, so much. I really despise them so much. Sixers. Yeah, but yeah, I think... Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say Harden and Embiid are free throw merchants yeah. and it always fucking it's sucks so to watch yeah. seven games against free throw merchants, yeah. man. Like that's another big part of why I absolutely do not want to play them in the oh. playoffs. I know you guys want a piece of them. Like, fuck that. That's oh, going to be yeah. miserable. Yeah. Yeah. I would pro- I'd, pro- I'd probably prefer not to, but if, if that you know, situation eventuates, I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, yeah, okay. Oh man, the, the, the Marcus smart, James Harden, like, Zapruder slow-mos after every game of whether or not certain plays were fouls or flops is going to be um, <laughs> pretty, yeah, oh God. Horrible. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think, um, and then just like that backcourt Maxi and Harden defensively is, is a, is a question. I think, and I think you can yeah. wear and be down over a series. Like he, he will just have so much work to do on, on both ends for him to second round exit is just, it's in the stars for these guys. Hell yeah, I hope so. I just imagine the anxiety from the Sixers' perspective. So much hinges on, like, is yeah. James Harden really having this baller offseason where he's like, no longer going to the strip oh, club, he's stopped drinking, he's changed his diet, he's jacked, those pictures aren't photoshopped, he's legitimately in the best shape of his life, or is all of that a fabricated lie and are we going to you know, go down the same path that we've always, we've always gone down as Sixers fan and as James Harden fans? Um, I couldn't sleep at night with my um, team's success hinging on whether or not that's actually the case. So, um, fuck those guys. I hope they're suffering through it uh, personally, and uh, we'll see. But um, anything else on the Donovan Mitchell move, the Mellow situation, the Trez Sixers situation before we move on to our final segment? The East is just really good. Like, as much as I'm not, de- I'm not high on the Cavs from, like, an overall perspective doing that move, like, they definitely are better next year with, oh, yeah. I think, Donovan Mitchell and I think um, have more firepower and things of that nature. But, yeah, they, I think, went from being kind of that maybe play-in mix 7 to 10 range to, like, firmly in that 4 to 7 range instead. Um, yeah, I, the East is, is tough, man. Like, someone like the Bulls or... The Raptors or the Hawks, someone, someone's going to miss the playoffs that's really high on their own team. Not us. We've got Sam Hauser. We're good. Uh, so finally, <laughs> to, and Cornette, and Cornette, and Kevin Jelly. So to, to wrap this one up, um, I wanted to ask you guys just more of a, I want to get into a habit of, of these, these kinds of lines of questioning at the end of our podcast to allow our audience to know us better and allow each other to know each other better as well. I wanted to ask you about your dream sports pilgrimages, as in, you know, what what trip across the globe or across the country do you dream of of making to to visit a sports venue or a sports event that would really sort of fulfill a bucket list item for you guys? So, Jake, we'll start with you because I believe you've got one coming up. Yeah, I've got one coming up. I've done a, a couple with my my mates in Sydney. We're going. We're flying Sydney to Dallas. Um, and we're, we're starting with Cowboys Bengals, uh, in, yeah. in Dallas, obviously, um, casually followed up by the Strokes and Chili Peppers concert. We literally walk from that Cowboys game uh. to the Chili Peppers concert and the Strokes. Ha- honestly has potential, like top five of day of my life potential written all over it. Um, but so I'm like, I'm a big NFL, NFL fan as well. Um, and we're, we're, we're also going to a Texas A&M Arkansas game. And I know that that's not like the biggest, um, Matchup, but college Spoonie. So I'm not a college football savant. Are they? Like is it at A and M? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, buddy, you are. They are crazy. You are yeah. in for a fucking experience. It'll be crazier than the Cowboys game. Yeah, no, quite. Yeah, I, I know, and I know college football is, especially down the south, is one of the most insane atmospheres um, and cultures in the world. And so, <laughs> and so, I'm really excited for that. But like, you know, Clemson, Death Valley, LSU. 
Um, some of those really big college football games are really high on my bucket list. And so this is the one that kind of lined up the best for us. Um, but yeah, one of those would really, would really be high on my list. Like you can go to the States and kind of try and line up these, these seasons, like back in 2019, pre COVID me and my boys, we flew to like California and we did like, um, we saw Lakers play Grizzlies and the next night was Spurs Clippers. And then we also saw Panthers Niners and then like Stanford, um, play someone crappy and like it wasn't that full but just my pilgrimages is how much sport and events can you fit into the tiniest amount of time that's usually how i roll (laughs) hell yeah yeah absolutely i mean i guess i guess from the aussie perspective like just flying to america and seeing as many sports as you can kind of is the ultimate sports pilgrimage if you're if you're a u.s sports fan then just like go there and then decide on a radius a travel radius and see all the sports in that radius in that time um Whereas Spoonie, you'd have to be a pretty huge rugby league fan to do the inverse of that trip and come to Australia. <laughs> I don't know if it'll work out as well, but Spoonie, what are you, what are your dream sports pilgrimages? Pilgrimage. Uh, so I number one, we did a few months ago. Yeah, uh, it would have been go to a finals game at the Garden. Mm-hmm. So I got that. Uh, you know, I was batting around Stanley Cup game for the Bruins. I don't know. I I like hockey. It's definitely not my number two sport. My number two sport is actually soccer. Uh, and I'm a big okay. Premier League guy, but my team is Everton, and you know they're that's kind of they're not quite <laughs> yeah. good enough for it to matter. So uh, I would have to say it. I think I, me and my buddies are planning this already, but the World Cup is coming to the United yes. States in 2026. Oh, yeah. So oh, I want to go to a, a men's national team World Cup game. If it's at Gillette, that would be awesome. But I will go. I I think they're playing in DC, which is a few hours away from me. So. That would be probably my my number one men's national team. And if they win, dude, I'll probably cry <laughs> and drunkenly hug every stranger in that building. Dude. That would be so fucking awesome. Looking forward to it. Four years away. <laughs> yeah, just like when we World, went to TD yeah. Garden. Yeah. World yeah, Cup's right. a good one. World Cup's a really good one. Yeah, World Cup was probably on my list as well. And Spooner, you nailed it. Like going to Boston uh, to see the Celtics play in the finals. I would add to that, but to see them win the finals, I think is what I'd yeah. add to my bucket list. So... In a couple yeah. of years, or maybe this year, if they make it again and they're they're much more tipped to win it, um, then I'm going to get myself over there. Stanford Bridge, London, Chelsea. Yeah. I'm a Chelsea guy. That's Sick. a pilgrimage I want to make. And of course, uh, the Ashes. Tough day to day. Yeah. Oh, oh the Ashes. Sorry. Let's not talk about that. Uh, the Ashes. <laughs> right, go ahead. The Ashes uh, at Lords Stadium in cool. England. I think is uh, it's not going to be super relatable to most Boston sports fans listening to this podcast. <laughs> That's a pilgrimage I think most Aussie sports fans want to make, regardless of their appreciation for cricket. It's like I, I'm trying to think of an American equivalent, Jake. I don't know if you can help me out here, but like going to um, Lords for the Ashes, it'd be. I mean, I mean, I always make the equivalency of baseball and cricket. And so like, you know, World Series at Fenway or, or something like that um, is kind of Wrigley similar. or something. Yeah, in Wrigley, something something like that. Yeah. How I would kind of explain it. But it's just different, like the, the, the rivalry between Australia and England, like the like going across to the other country and you have like your own little Aussie section mm-hmm. and like you're singing songs back and forth and, and things like that with the, with the opposing crowd. Would be pretty epic. Yeah, and there's so much history, you know, like the the greatest yeah. ball ever bowled by Shane Warne was bowled in the ashes. Is a great Tell me about it. Great, yeah. yeah. Spoonie knows. <laughs> there's a great documentary about Shane Warne on uh, Amazon Prime. I highly recommend watching it if you want to learn a little bit more about cricket via okay. like the essentially the Michael Jordan of cricket. Highly recommend yeah. watching that documentary. Other than that, yeah, World Cup and just following the Aussie cricket team around. The world so india i think would be a great place to watch a cricket game yes. because they they're Big rabid time. fans Insane. over there and uh just yeah. just the celtics right like any celtics yeah. game especially yeah. when we live this far away and you know uh some of us have families and like jake you're getting married and there's work and commitments and the <laughs> idea of like getting on a plane traveling 20 hours essentially once you factor in the la to boston flight Getting to a game, like it's it's such a heavy lift. And so yeah. really for me, like this is no surprise to anyone listening, but just seeing any Celtics game ever is the ultimate sports yeah. pilgrimage. So I hope that I have many more opportunities to do that in my life. Spoonie, we had such a good time. Uh, what was it, like three Did months ago ever? now? Um, yeah. But I really hope that I can uh, can get that back in the bag again uh, sometime soon. I say one more we could potentially add is I would love to do Summer League with 
with you dudes at oh, some yeah. point. Like I haven't oh, even yeah. done summer league, obviously, and so <laughs> just going to Vegas. You know, maybe sometime in the next couple of years, but like maybe the next time the Celtics are rebuilding in twenty thirty, and we have several draft picks, and we're cheering on the Deuce at summer league. Bronny James. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream. Just play cards all day. Record a podcast yep. in the uh, in the penthouse suite at night. Yes. Check out check out some of the games. Uh, cool. Well, look if you're listening and you've got any more thoughts about you know sports pilgrimages, any uh, critiques about our own, uh, please let us know in the comments either right now in the live stream or on the Reddit post. In the meantime, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for listening. Shout out to everyone who joined us on the live stream. We really appreciate your comments and your insights during the show. We will be back at least every week between now and the beginning of the off-season. So, uh, beginning of the season, rather. So, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the pod. Like this video. Help us with the YouTube algorithm. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, mates. Thanks again. Thanks, everybody. All right. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.